It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. The Dolphins travel to London to face the Jaguars, the 0-5 Jacksonville Jaguars, not only 0-5, but have lost 20 games in a row. When we did, think about this. We remember our first win victory of the season last year against the Jaguars on Thursday night football. The Jaguars have not won a game since then. They have not won a game in over one full calendar year. Uh, So I've got to tell you, Paul, I am terrified to watch this game because to me, this is where the Dolphins either turn their season around and start to put a string together a couple of wins, which they have done in the past. That's what they did last year after a one and three start, or they absolutely hit rock bottom. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, given the fact that the, the Dolphins coaching has been a huge issue at this point and hasn't seemed to recognize that it's been a huge issue at this point, it's tough to say that this is the week that they realize and and suddenly call a good game plan. We suddenly see the Amoeba defense. We suddenly, you know, see Miami open it up over the top. Um, but this is a team that you might be able to get away with it with. And it'll be interesting to see if Tua comes out firing at some of the receivers that Jacoby Brissett just didn't even see uh, in this one. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I... Obviously, the coaching hasn't done a great job this year, to say the least. I'll also say, too, against the Bucks last week, I didn't have a problem with the game plans on either side of the ball. I mean, look, I, you know, I had a huge problem when the Dolphins against, against the Colts and against the Raiders basically play inside this box and don't throw the ball down field until they absolutely have to, that it's successful. And then they stop doing it the following game. I've got a big problem with that against the bucks. I think they were taking a few more shots and I think it was really smart for them to come out and, and start working the passing game through miles gasket. Uh, And it also showed too the foolishness of one week, the dolphins against, against the Raiders and against the Colts, try to run the offense through Malcolm Brown. And then against the bucks, Malcolm Brown doesn't even play. It just screams of we're just throwing crap against a wall and seeing what sticks. It does. And just to put um, Malcolm Brown into perspective, Malcolm Brown has, let's see here, 25 carries for 91 yards on the season. 3.6 yards a carry. Yep. Trevor Lawrence has 24 attempts for 110 yards and 4.6 yards per carry. I mean, yeah, and it's not—it's not even a whole heck of a lot from a quarterback. That's only twenty-two yards a game from a quarterback, and it's more than Malcolm Brown. Yeah, um, I mean, some of it's lack of of usage in the running game, period, for most folks. But regardless, it's still you know a full yard further per carry uh, from Trevor Lawrence than we're getting from Malcolm Brown right now. You bet. Our, our and, big smash back. Right, and look, keep Miles get. 
and, and a big reason Miles Gaskin hasn't been on the field as much as we wanted is he's a terrible blocker. Um, but you've got it. You've got to find ways around that. You've got to. You can't have him isolated one on one with with defenders, or even when he's chipping, he hasn't been. He hasn't. I don't feel like Malcolm Brown's a, a great blocker either. He's just bigger. That's accurate. Yeah, I, I, and and that's why Gaskin needs to be on the field. At least, yes. If I, I'd rather have somebody who's good in the passing game, uh, receiving wise, like Miles Gaskin, than somebody who's non-existent in, in the receiving game, like Malcolm Brown. Even if Brown is a little bit more of a, um, uh, uh, e- even if he's a little bit better blocker, but. Also, too, Paul, and, and this is where I where I, I point up at the at the front office too. I'll say it again: when you've got Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, which the Dolphins have had over the last month, and they're gonna, uh, by all reports, Tua is going to start this game, barring a setback, and I don't see any setback that can happen right now. When you have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, when you have the worst running back room in the NFL, and when you have the worst offensive line in the NFL, I struggle at that point to say, well, you should call a better game. No, it's to me it's a talent issue, and then the coaching staff makes it worse. That's that's where I struggle to agree with you on that because yes, bad talent can make you have to coach inside a box, but coaching inside a box can make your talent look bad. I mean, Savan Ahmed throughout the preseason they moved him all over the formation, and he was a, an absolute weapon down the field, in the short area, uh, occasionally out of the backfield, even with Miles Gaskin on the field. And then they get to the regular season, they're like, "Mm, nah. You know, it's when they've been losing games and they start pushing the ball downfield when the other team knows that they're going to do that. With Devontae Parker, who I know is not playing this week, Mike Gesicki, Albert Wilson, Mac Hollins, those guys were catching routes down the field for for 20, 25 yard gains at a clip. And you just get away from it other than when the games are out of reach. To me, it's not fully a talent issue, it's a coaching issue. When it takes you five weeks to see what we all saw before the season about Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg. When you still haven't seen it with Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt, you're 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 trying to outsmart everybody and looking like an idiot when you do. Yeah, I do agree with that, and I think the, the I mean, the front office and the coaching gaffes go hand in hand. There's there's no doubt about that, and yeah, I mean, look, and and Jesse Davis is going to be playing starting at right tackle again. <laughs> he got to a hurt in week two, how, how egregiously he got him hurt on a fourth and two when the bills were up seven to nothing on one of the biggest plays of the game, Jalen Waddles open right off the snap Tua can't get him the ball because AJ Epineza beat Jesse Davis and had his helmet in his ribs in 1.7 seconds, 1.7 seconds. And I don't get it um, on there. And, and look last week, I'm excited about Liam Eikenberg. You know, based on what I saw last week, he wasn't unreal at left tackle, but he played a good game. I mean, the first play of the game or one of the first passes with that 22 yarder to Preston Williams, he he fell off his block. Jacoby Brissett had to break the pocket. That was a play that actually turned out to be a good one and a big one. But um, the rest of the game, I thought he was solid um, at, at left tackle. And 
and and that's one thing to keep our eye on here for, for the rest of the year because that's a huge win for the offensive line if we can say Jez, Lee, uh, Liam Eikenberg on a rookie contract is even a decent left tackle. Yeah, no, I, I everything I've seen of Liam Eikenberg, both in college, in the preseason, in the regular season, I really like him at tackle, and I actually really like him at left tackle. Um, it's something that I wish the Dolphins had seen a little bit sooner, and I wish Robert Hunt was still out on the right side, because I can't imagine that Robert Hunt wouldn't have at least tried to slap A.J. Epineza. Just slap him to slow him down for a, you know, a half a second at that point. Anything. Like, jump out there, make him go around you if you have to, if you're not going to hit him. Like, anything. Anything at all to slow him down so he just doesn't get a free run at your quarterback. And that's, you know, some of that was blocking scheme-wise too because there was no one accounting for that blitz and we started to see that blitz coming more and more until the Dolphins started picking it up. Uh, you know, I don't care if Miles Gaskin's a poor blocker. Send him out there to get run over, which is at least going to slow him down. You know, maybe he'll trip over him after he bowls over him. Like something, anything. Or send him on those wheel that wheel route that led to that touchdown. How hard is that? I mean, I say it over and over again. Football's not that hard, okay? And if you, in any circumstance, if you are a coach in the NFL and you don't understand you need to throw the ball downfield to be successful, you don't get it. And the good news on this, though, is that the Dolphins, you know, according to all practice reports, were – drilling it into Tua's head to get the ball downfield to be aggressive. And we saw some of that in the Patriots game. We saw that sideline 30-yard pass to Devontae Parker. We saw that willingness to throw the ball up like Ryan Fitzpatrick did uh, when Jalen Waddell came down with a 30-yard catch. That's what we're hoping to see more because when you do that, you can start loosening the field up a little bit more, and that's what we're hoping to get back here with Tua. But, Paul, before we get too far off on that, too, is looking at the schedule. And again, uh, uh, this is where you're one game at a time. But look, I don't, I'm not, I don't play for the Dolphins. The score is 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah, I, the score is, hey, 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 can't, you can't count victories ahead of time. Um, no, listen. They can't, we can. We can't, thank you. I, I can look as far ahead as I want. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay. You look at this game against the Jaguars. Dolphins are favored by three here. And if they don't win this game, nothing else in the rest of the year seems even worth talking about. Falling to one and five, they basically have to run the table the rest of the way. I think we can all agree that probably wouldn't happen if they don't turn it around in this game. If you win this game, you get to two and four. Next week, you play the Falcons at home. Dolphins should be favored if they win this game by a couple of points, too and get to three and four. Then the narrative starts to shift to the Dolphins are 3-0 and with Tua and 0-4 and with Jacoby Brissett. And not only 3-0 and with Tua this year, but 9-3 and with Tua as starting quarterback. Is some of that exaggerated? Based on the record, yes, they they've, haven't exactly had a murderer's row schedule when Tua's played. But then that's where things start to change. So if the Dolphins are 3-4 and four then, you look at the next three games you've got at Buffalo, which is probably the hardest task you can have for anyone in the NFL, the Texans at home, and then the Ravens on Thursday night football at home for Miami. 
the Dolphins have to win. Have, be, they've got to beat the Texans in the middle there, or else again, not none of this is really worth talking about. In addition to that, they've got to pull an upset against the Bills or against the Ravens. If they did that, now after ten games, the Dolphins are five and five, with not too hard of a schedule the rest of the way. That's the optimistic viewpoint on this, and it's got to start with the Jaguars game and the Dolphins winning and winning, I'd say, convincingly. On the other hand, based on how the Dolphins have played over the last month, they are 31st in in offense, 30th in defense, 30th in passing offense, and 32nd in rushing offense. They're also allowing 5.3 yards a carry to opposing starting running backs. So if the Dolphins can get on the right track here, they can string some wins together. If they don't here, I mean, you want to talk about rock bottom. I, I'm, I, I don't. I may need an extra day before we do the show again because I, I, I'm just not going to know what to say. Well, and and Cap just said something in our chat about, uh, and this goes with the scheme thing, this goes with the coaching thing, and it goes with the offense. Hearing each week the we took what the defense gave us. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Like. You look back when they were in a couple of games this year and Gaskin was averaging five yards a carry and you just stopped him at like seven or eight carries. You look back at games where they were throwing these little check downs. Meanwhile, wide receivers are just running around deep and wide open and you didn't throw it to them. You, you, you freaking like go through it and you're like, you really didn't take what the defense gave you. You went right into what they wanted you to do. Like, oh, no, you're averaging five yards of carry. I hope they stop doing that. And you did. Like, oh, no, those guys are running deep, wide open. Who's supposed to have them? Eh, doesn't matter. They're not going to throw those guys anyway. Just, you know, like, it's just, it's stupid to say that when any even casual fan watching the game can see that you didn't. Well, they didn't. defensively, I, I agree with you. Defensively, th- this is how I view just kind of the sequence of the game. The Dolphins can't move the ball. They go three and out, three and out, three and out. The Dolphins can't stop the run on defense. And then eventually that trickles into the second day. That, that's how I look at how this works here. I mean, let's keep in mind that let's just look at the last two games against the Colts with three minutes left in the first half. The Colts had 35 yards of offense and no points on the board. The Dolphins in eight of nine drives uh, had fewer than nine yards on offense for that drive. Then against the Bucs, yeah, I know the Bucs overall just took the Dolphins' defense to the woodshed. I get it. You know, halfway through the third quarter, they the Bucs had 17 points on the board. I mean, it, it, and I go back to personnel with the Dolphins' defense because last year they were middle of the pack and stopping the run. And if you take out the first couple of games, they were good stopping the run once Raekwon Davis stepped up and played a major role. So this year, they, they get rid of Shaq Lawson. They trade him for Bernardrick McKinney, who they then cut. So they don't have that sturdy defensive end or inside linebacker. And they have an undersized linebacker group. Raekwon Davis has been hurt. What I'm seeing this year, Paul, that I didn't see last year, is you see running backs and not very good running backs like Leonard Fournette and Peyton Barber get five yards into the hole before they're touched. Yeah, I'll give you that on, on the on the defensive side. My my comments were more about 
finishing up the offense. Uh, but no, I absolutely agree with you. The defense, it, it's there are a lot of. Times I, I totally where, misheard you on that. Yeah, so I was going to say I, my apologies. That, 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 that's quite all right. It was it was it was about the offense not taking what the defense gives them, and then you know coming out after the fact to going like, well, we took what the defense gave us. Like, and, and it's the stupidest thing ever. Like, you know, Miles Gaskin having five yards of carry, and the def- and the coaches go and get, getting away from it after like seven, eight carries, and going, "Well, we took what the defense gave us." No, you didn't. Or all these receivers streaking deep and they're hitting guys at the line of scrimmage. You did not take what the defense gave you. Sorry, but to to your points there, um, yeah, and also too, Paul. Yeah, I hate that quote. We take what the defense gives us. You didn't sign Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle, and I know Fuller's out. He's going to be out for a few more games. But you didn't arrange this receiving room to not dictate matchups. It, you know, I and and that's that is what kills me is that you look at the beginning of the Colts game. You had Devontae Parker. You had Jalen Waddle. You had Will Fuller. You had Mike Gesicki. Instead of putting all four of those guys out on the field, Brian Flores brags after the game that they wanted to be methodical when they came out. Like, where's the Brian Flores from the last two years who, who is, uh, you know, r- running fake punts and kicking 57-yard field goals and kicking onside kicks? Where did this spineless coach come from? I don't know. It's disappointing because I – one of the things I loved about Brian Flores was the fire and the fight and the effort and the lack of quit. Um, you know, may, maybe he needs to start sending uh, his coaching staff and himself to the, uh, the, the pow wall or whatever it is that out there. And it, uh, the makes, uh, takes no talent walls. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Maybe they can get there a little early and set that up in London. Um, but, I mean, I will say this, though. I will say, look, five games down, 12 to go. And this Dolphins team started off 0-7 in 2019. They finished 5-4. and They started off 1-3 and last year. And over the next, gosh, almost three months of football, or over three months of football, between September 30th and January 2nd, they lost two games. So, they're, it seems like this team has been able over the last two years, when their back is really against the wall and they need to fight their way toward respectability, they do it. That's what's happened in some way over the last two years. But this year, again, feels a little bit different. It feels like this was supposed to be a playoff year for the Dolphins and not even competitive for the most part over the last month. Yeah, and the, the talent is there to do so. I mean, the talent is there to be a playoff team. I mean, it's not a perfect roster, but it's the the talent is on this team. That's why it hurts us all so much to see them play like this. That's why it's frustrating to see some of the stupidity. I mean, I can't ever remember in the last few years watching a game and thinking a play call was so horrific that that a coordinator should be fired absolutely on the spot. Um, and that's what I saw in, in, in you know the Raiders game, looking back at that safety play to, to uh, Waddle. 
um, you know, like it's or the blocking. I, I still feel like there was an issue with the blocking scheme itself on the AJ Epineza sack, and those are huge season-changing plays. And Miami's giving those to other teams and not taking them for themselves. See, and that's that's where I disagree. I I I, I don't think that this is a talented roster. Uh, I don't think, I do not think, I'm not convinced Tua is the guy. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I think the running back room is the worst in the league. I think the offensive line is the worst in the league, both on protection and talent. And I think they can't stop the run largely because of their undersized linebacker group. Uh, Those are a lot of gaping holes in the team. And I look at those things and think, what are you going to call? You know, I think you should throw the ball downfield more. But I, I don't know what you do uh, when you can't stop the run and, and you're allowing five, six yards of carry to opposing starting running backs. And then offensively, you can't run the ball. You abandon the running game from the beginning of the game. You can't block the people ahead of you. And that play on A.J. Epineza, I don't know what you do except get another right tackle because <laughs> off the snap, AJ, I mean, Jesse Davis is immediately whipped in a second, less than a second, you know? So I don't know. I, it's, it's certainly both things. I, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that front office and talent, but I think the talent is the first domino that falls to be quite honest with you. There are holes in the talent. Don't get me wrong. And I do agree with you that I, I don't know if Tua is the answer or not yet. Like it's, I'm just not there yet. We haven't had the opportunity. Um, but, you look at the talent that they have at the receiver position, even if it hasn't been utilized. I don't hate Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed. I would have liked somebody else in that in that mix with those guys. The Malcolm Brown thing just felt like a waste. But again, that's uh, that feels like a Flores pick of like, ooh, this guy looks like he could be a thumper up the middle on a couple of plays. Let's give him that shot. He he shouldn't have made not, it in yeah. the preseason. He shouldn't have. Like, right, and and looking at the running backs, too, is, you know, if the Dolphins were able to sign a Melvin Gordon last year, if they were able to land, you know, Najee Harris won the first round, um, but if they were able to trade back up for him or draft Javante Williams, that could be your number one back. Then Miles Gaskin's your number two guy who can be used in the passing game. But it, it's shocking to me that, Gaskin, it took him two quarters to figure out this year that Gaskin can't be on the field as much because he can't block. Well, then running back should have been a higher priority for you. That's what goes back here to the front office. But and 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 here's the thing: before we move on from that, with Gaskin and Ahmed, even if they can't block great, if you start having them chip somebody and then screen it to them a few times. That defender that gets chipped is going to start staying with them and doing that blocking job for them. It, it's There are ways around that, and you shouldn't be at the NFL level not understanding how mm, football works at that point. Like, it, it's, it's, you know, you've got these free blitzers coming. Guess what? That screen game, which Ahmed and Gaskin excel at, slows down defensive lines. It, it, it's, it's, you can slow the whole defensive line instead of just the one guy hitting him if you utilize what they're good at and they don't most of the time. They started to a little bit last week with Gaskin, 
but God, you could do so many fun things with this this group. You could do so many fun things with the receivers. And you just flip two guys on the offensive line and make the one that goes inside have to fight for his job with guys like Kinley and Jones. And your line is at least okay. Like I, it, I, I agree with you there. Um, it, it's, it, it's, and now your where, offense works, and it puts your defense in an advantageous position and gets them off the field a little more. Now, Miles Gaskin, too, caught – what 10 passes last week and six of them in the first quarter they started doing that last week and it and worked. then they got away from it and yeah they got away from it a little bit the rest of the game and last year it was the same thing i think miles gaskin caught five passes in the first quarter so yes that's a very effective th- it shouldn't have taken the dolphins that long to figure out hmm maybe we should have miles gaskin out on the field uh chipping and being out there on screen passes it shouldn't have taken them all the way to last week to figure it out a couple of comments here from chat um first uh ignatius cheese says that he's in london here anything you want anything you want him in particular to yell at the coaching staff about um where do i start um you know if 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 you see them doing something that works iggy and they get away from it please yell for them to go back to whatever it is it's probably going to be the screen game it's probably going to be running the ball or throwing it deep down the field any of those things yes um and grandizer said tells me to stop defending the jalen waddle pick what are you talking about i wanted penny sewell uh and and give me parsons the the number one thing i'm angry about uh to be quite honest with you is if this really does fall off the tracks, is the Dolphins stupidly trading back up from 12 to 6 to draft Jalen Waddle? Um, I think Waddle's talented. I think he's fast. Uh, he was not the guy I wanted at 6, and I didn't want it to trade up back to 6. So come on, Grandizer, step up. Pay, pay attention. Um, and thank you for the comments on the pillows. I did get two new ones here. I stacked, uh, I, I might just stack them all the way up to the wall here. You should, um, you should just. Layer your entire wall with pillows like it's a padded room the way the season's going. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. Uh, thank you, Radically Centerist. I, I'm bummed as well about Parsons. He, he really would have been good and would have been dynamic for this defense and would have helped solve some of the things Kat was talking about before with the linebacker group or the pass rush or you know whatever else you want to do with him because he seems to be able to do it all on the on on the Cowboys defense. Yep. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, and again, Grandizer. So let's let's recap. Uh, I was not in favor of the Waddle pick. I wanted Sewell. I wasn't in favor of the trade up. And uh, Grandizer needs to pay attention. Uh, so moving on, uh, as far offensively here with the game. Um, Obviously, my big thing is that the Dolphins are going against the Jaguars' pass defense that on the season is allowing a combined quarterback rating of 115.5 and 73.5% completion rate. Um, So this is a game here where, look, Tua practice this week, he's good to go. He he said his ribs are not 100% healthy which isn't to be expected at at this point. Um, But when you look at playing the Falcons and the Jaguars the next two games, who have allowed 18 touchdowns and two interceptions on the year, 
no, two has got to hit the ground running here, not only to save the season, but also because he's going against two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And he's also got to hit the ground running because Jesse Davis is still a right tackle. Bazing. Exactly right. I'd love, I mean, it, it, you set that up too to good, get, Kat. Sorry. <laughs> does Tua need to get mauled in this game to for for the coaching staff to realize <laughs> that they need to put Robert Hunt back at right tackle? Uh, and and Hunt realized it last time. Uh, and, and Hunt's done fine at right guard. Yeah, it, right. It, he's done fine at right guard. Uh, I thought it was better at right tackle. And Jesse Davis, the only time he played decent this year is when he played left guard against I think the Raiders. So who knows? Um, one thing to watch out for in terms of matchups is uh, watching the Jaguars games here. What I notice is that on first down, uh, they typically don't have Josh Allen on the field. They like to keep him fresh so that when when it gets into any passing situation, when it gets into second and 10, when it gets into any situation where they suspect the opposing quarterback is going to throw, that's when they put Josh Allen on the field to try to whip the outside tackle. And they play him against the left tackle. They play him against the right tackle. He is their most talented defensive player. And that's something to watch because if you get Jesse Davis against Josh Allen repeatedly, and if the Jaguars are smart, they're going to try to isolate that matchup, that that could cause some game-changing plays. And the Dolphins need to be aware of that, and they need to at least neutralize that matchup. They do. Um, you're talking about the Josh Allen one, correct? I was researching while I was talking. Josh Allen, yeah. Josh Allen, and um, you've got you've got him. Uh, you got gotcha. that matchup. Um, and gotcha. it, yeah, on the inside, they they use Roy Robertson Harrison should or Roy, Roy Robertson Harris should be back. Um, this game, he's he's been out the last couple of games here, and he was their big kind of their big ticket free agent signing from the Bears. You've got him. You've got Dewan Smoot. You've got Adam Gotsis, all kind of in that same role. Not incredibly athletic guys, but pretty sturdy on the inside. It kind of explains why the Jaguars are allowing under four yards of carry to opposing running backs this year, doing a pretty good job there. Um, and at the linebacker group, they're going to be without Miles Jack, which is big because That's Jack, I, yeah, adds a lot of speed to their to the middle of their defense. Um, and if the Dolphins are smart in this one here. They'll get Mike Gesicki and they'll get Miles Gaskin attacking the middle of that field. A lot of crossing routes, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of opportunities, even with Devontae Parker and Will Fuller out, for the Dolphins to exploit in the passing game. No, absolutely. And and if you can get to the second level with Miles Jack out in the running game um, or even in the screen game, you're going to be in position to succeed. I mean, I like Kalevon uh, Chase on or. I always butcher his name. Yeah, Caleb on Jason and Josh Allen are kind of in that same role. They're mm-hmm. fast, and if you you get them one on one, they can beat you around the edge and come back through the back door and, and hit two. If the Dolphins don't account for that, that's right. that's something big in this game. And Jason's getting a little bit better too. He had a nightmare of a rookie year, um, and Josh Allen had ten sacks in, in his rookie year. He hasn't had. Uh, a lot of success there, but um, yeah, yeah. But coming off the edge, if Miami hasn't figured out their blocking scheme to account for that blitz, uh, those two both have a lot of speed. I mean, it, it's you've got to use that screen game in, in this one um, to open everything up for this offense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Uh, Grandizer also said at 18 he wanted Jamin Davis uh, from Kentucky instead of Jalen Phillips. Well, Phillips is better, uh, has played better. Jamin Davis doesn't even play. Come on, man. Get it together. Uh, anyway, uh, in, in the secondary – the may the doll uh, the uh, excuse me Jaguars traded C.J. Henderson here a couple of weeks ago um, for Dan Arnold in a third round pick, um, and Henderson had was playing horrifically for them. They also dra- they drafted Tyson Campbell in the second round, really to replace him. And Campbell was out last game, questionable to return this game, so should be playing hurt. My advice to the Dolphins in terms of matchups with their with the Jaguars defensive backs: stay away from Shaq Griffin. He's not a great player, but he's certainly the best one that they have. Yeah, no, and it's, I mean, I would be looking for Andrew Winger to to try to um, throw it over the top against him. I know they had some success in the past. He tends to bite a little too much in the box and struggle with, with deep passes, and that's where if you can send Waddle over the top and stop this just running your screen game through Waddle thing that Miami seems to be really into right now. Um, you have a chance to really exploit that matchup or Mac Hollins or, you know, uh, if if Kirk Barrett can come to the roster, please, instead of Isaiah Ford, fingers crossed, you know, there you've got a lot of guys that can exploit Winger, especially Gasicki, actually. Yeah, I don't know why they're not at least giving Merritt a chance. Get somebody in there. You know, for a overall underachieving and hurt receiver group here, get somebody in there that it, it, you can get isolated one on one, and is hungry and is going to make some plays. I mean, instead I instead of just bringing up the Ford Focus every week, yeah, they're dragging him off the street. It's like even when he was cut last time, he said this guy is going to be back on the active roster somehow, some way, and he is. Mm-hmm. He caught one pass for three yards last week. Whoop! We can't even trade him away without getting him back on the roster. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Albert Wilson and Isaiah Ford are blackmailing to stay on this roster, but I would rather have game. Albert Wilson than than Isaiah Ford. Ten times out of ten, yeah. Um, Kyle Pitts uh, was brought up in chat. I kept for life. Just said he's got him on a buy in fantasy football. Oh, you mean my other guy that that wasn't Michael Parsons? Well, well I, actually, I'm very glad the Dolphins didn't stay at three and take him. Could you imagine? How angry, and, and I'll tell you why. Not not because of the talent, because he had nine catches for 119 yards last week um, when the the Falcons and Jets played. Looks like he's going to be a superstar. Could you imagine how frustrated would be, we would be if the Dolphins had Gasicki and Kyle Pitts on the roster, and they've got Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen out there in the first half? I mean, I'd be upset. and that's not, I'm not even exaggerating. I'm not making a joke. It's, that's what would, take, would happen. I would take the upset for this season. Knowing, well, Gasicki would be gone next year. Um, but knowing that, you know, if if they really truly didn't utilize, like the more talent that they get that they don't utilize, the more likely that there is to be a coaching change that we need. And if that were to happen, you'd suddenly see Miami turn into a fun team to watch down the stretch because. You know those interim coaches come in with something to prove, and if they start chucking the rock all over the yard to these guys, and really set themselves up for whoever comes in next to have the talent there, hell yeah. 
See, I'm very anti-interim coach. I, I don't see the point of it unless you're actually going to consider having or that offensive guy. coordinator or replace the offensive coordinator and suddenly start lighting it up and set up for the future. Yeah, I mean, if if you're if you get an interim coach in, um, it got too early for this, but just in general, I remember back in 2004 when Dave Wanstead was fired with like four or five games left, and then Jim Bates came in. If you remember that, mm-hmm. and I think they were three and one to end the season. It looked, re- it was like, gosh, where's where's this team been all year? I was like, okay, I guess Jim Bates is going to be the coach next year. And no, he was fired immediately. It's like, well, what was the what was the point of that? He, he didn't even get sense. an interview, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, I mean, at least Jim Todd Bates Bowles is- got an interview. At least, uh, well, what's his face? Uh, Dan Campbell got an interview. Like, good lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Grandizer said he wanted Creed Humphrey. Uh, he actually said Creedy Humphrey uh, at 36 overall. So you lose any points there. Um, but, yeah, no, Creed Humphrey's been great. And I think every Dolphins fan wanted him. So welcome to the welcome to the group, Grandizer. Um, so let's see here. Phil Montgomery, I think uh, this will be Waddle's week with two back and a very poor secondary. Yeah, it, it has to be because he, he, I mean, you look at last week, he was my Coke bus player of the week, uh, two catches for 31 yards, a drop. And one of the drops, that drop was dropped right into the hands of Jamel Dean. So look, Jalen Waddle, it's time to step up. Uh, you, you, look, we didn't draft a five foot nine, 185 pound receiver so that he can ease into the lineup. And especially when you look around and you see Jamar Chase on pace for 1,500 yards. Kyle Pitts doing what he did last week. Nine catches for 119 yards against the Falcons. So, Well, we'd utilize uh, Jalen Waddell more effectively if uh, Durham Smythe wasn't our downfield threat right now. <laughs> well, Jalen Waddell did draw a pass interference penalty last week. How about a little bit more of that? I mean, it's good things happen when you throw the ball downfield. And and I did just think about what I said before about firing the offensive coordinators, and you're really putting, like, three, four, five families on the streets. How many offensive coordinators do we have right now? I've lost track at this point. Three that we know of. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, two officially. And there's a secret, secret guy that calls plays behind them that sends them in on a card. Like, it's... Yeah, it'd be funny if they fired all three offensive coordinators. That... You know, and brought in three more guys. <laughs> what might be the problem is every time we turn around, everybody thinks somebody else calls the plays. Maybe no one's calling plays at this point. And Jacoby Brissett was just like, um, let's do this. Like Maybe, maybe that's what happened. Because apparently nobody calls the plays and everybody calls the plays. Yeah. That sounds awful yeah, cultish it, to me. Right. It's, uh, it, it, again... And I go back to this too, and and let me be clear, and I'll I'll, I'll end with this here, um, before I, I throw it to you for the last word. I am a Tua fan to the extreme the rest of the way, because look, I think the way the Dolphins have treated Tua and developed him has been an absolute joke. Think about it; they draft Tua, they put him in before he's ready. He, in the middle of a promising rookie year, two games after that Cardinals game, which was by far the best game of his career, they bench him in the fourth quarter against the Broncos when the game was in reach. Yeah, I know he played bad that game, 
But you don't do that. Then you bench him in the fourth quarter against the Raiders. Yeah, they won that game. They were 10 and 6 instead of 9 and 7. Still missed the playoffs. So what? Then he's not a team captain. They then try multiple times to trade for Deshaun Watson, even when he has 22 sexual assault charges against him. 24. It's 24 now? No, I think it's 24. 22. Uh, regardless. Um, Anything after I mean, one or two is is, is too much. So. I mean, look, I, I hey, I wanted to. I, I I'll say I wanted to over Herbert on on draft day. Uh, I'm as of right now, I'm badly wrong about that. But that doesn't mean the Dolphins didn't make things worse with Tua. You don't you don't develop a quarterback this way. You don't you don't not make him a team captain. You don't pull him from the lineup in the fourth quarter of games that are within reach to put in the guy that you yanked who was hot at the time. I mean, it, look, it, the way I look at this and the coaching staff as it stands right now, they don't know what they're doing. And, and I don't think they know enough to turn things around. And the Dolphins really wear it as a badge of honor that we don't care what you think. We're going to do what we think is right. Well, that's fine, except it always turns out wrong with this offensive staff. So anyway, Paul, there's your motivational close. Boy, Kat, you should be a motivational speaker at this point. Like, let's <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat what Grandy said in chat, but I would love if the Texans put what you said in chat as the reason he's not playing for the week. That would be amazing. Um, and I know Kat's looking for it right now. Oh, no, Grandizer, hey, let me let me finish with a good note here with a good note with you. You said fix the offensive line, get your quarterback and the Dolphins can't develop talent. 100% agree with you. So, trying to be motivational here for, for everybody. I Don't do think I, I do think there's talent on this team. This is definitely a winnable game. Um, I'm hoping Miami doesn't do what we've seen in the past where they play down to their level of talent. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence has eight interceptions and six touchdowns on the year. Hopefully Miami's able to take advantage of it even without Xavier Howard on the field. Um and, and and really, hopefully Miami gets into the screen game with their running backs and gets Waddle open all over the field, and this could, could turn into a fun game. Using Gasicki down the seam against Wingard is just a joke of a mismatch at this point. Um, there are so many things Miami can do well, and it all starts with what Tua can do in his return tomorrow. Uh, whether Tua was our guy or not, I mean... Look, the, the, the picks that we wasted, maybe we could have traded up to go, go after uh, the real best quarterback in that draft right now. But at this point, we, we, we didn't and we couldn't. Um, and this was somebody that, Kat, you can vouch for this. I wanted when he was a fifth-round pick. So Yeah, but, it, Paul, you, you mentioned that last week, too. That wasn't an option. I mean... I would have mortgaged the, the, so much that they couldn't say no because those, you know... At this point, you're you're mortgaging Igbenogany, Austin Jackson, you know, like it's. I, I agree, and I, I was on board with you of wanting to do it too. Maybe not as much as you were, but the Dolphins could have offered five first round picks, and the Bengals wouldn't have taken it. That's maybe it, and if, if if they'd really put that effort in, like instead of just, eh, what do you want? And they're like, eh, nothing. Go. I got an offer for you. I'll give you cash. Like, still wouldn't have done it. They they still would not have done it. I pro- I mean, you don't. 
when when you have a clear cut number one overall pick for months, like Joe Burrow was, they're not moving off that pick. Yeah. It, it does. You you can offer anything you want because that's going to be the 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 face of your franchise, the guy in all of your uh, marketing materials. You trade down and you take an offensive tackle. That's good. That would get so bad. It, I, I I understand what you're saying, and and it was it probably would have ended up being being a better move if they traded from one to five, got first round picks, and took Justin Herbert in hindsight. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I I it, and it sucks that the Dolphins couldn't get in that position to get a Joe Burrow. But yeah, um, no, but it's it's it, God, I hated the year that Burrow had that final year at LSU because you know how bad I wanted him when he was still way under the radar. It's you know like. But it is what it is. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the talent's there to move around on the offensive line and make this offensive line effective. Um, you know, and, and the talent is there on defense. It's, you know, people are like, oh, you can't cover the flat with the, the amoeba defense. You absolutely can. You can't rush the passer from the. You absolutely can. Like, just you make it so that the opposing offense really can't tell. Who is going where, and you create a whole lot of confusion, which slows down an offense uh, out of that amoeba defense. And they've got the guys to run it effectively because they did last year. Like that's the funniest part about it to me. Like it's a whole yeah. lot more confusing that for an offense than you moving Jerome Baker out to cover a running back on the sideline and going like, wait, where the. Uh, 55's the bike? Like, I mean, it's... Yeah, I, overall, I agree with you on that. Yeah, that, I, I mean, there are some... I, I, I agree with the with the argument of, well, if you're playing that amoeba defense or that dancing seven, wh- whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you're not defending the flats as well. Maybe you are giving up more running lanes, but you're making it up in other areas. You're being more unpredictable. And I, I think that's what's starting to work against the Dolphins and has all year is the lack of unpredictability. I mean, where's Andrew Van Ginkle flying off the edge like last year? Where's him moving around and playing inside linebacker on some certain looks and getting and slicing into the backfield? Why is uh, Jerome Baker, who, uh, according to PFF, is is one of the best pass rush grades? Uh, Again, I can't tell you exactly what, what that constitutes, but where is he blitzing all the time? Like last year when he had seven sacks chasing down Patrick Mahomes in the open field, you know? So, yeah, they need to call better plays on defense, too. Overall, I agree with you on that. Um, so They need to call better plays on the football field at this point. Uh, like, defense, offense, special teams, like, all of it. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to predictions here. And one player we haven't talked about that's probably the most important player in this game uh, for the Jaguars is James Robinson, who is averaging 5.8 yards a carry on the year. The Dolphins on run defense averaging 5.32 yards a carry. That is the matchup that really, to me, is going to determine determine winning and losing this football game. Um, because if the Dolphins can step it up on run defense this week against James Robinson, do a respectable job, then I, I feel good that they're going to be able to to put pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has gotten better over recent weeks. Yeah, he's, his stat line for the year doesn't look great, but against the Titans, you know, the 19 points they put on the board easily could have been 30. They were stopped inside the five twice. They were moving the ball, and Lawrence 
is the game is looking is slowing down for him a lot. He can make plays with his with his feet, and he overall he's throwing where wide receivers open a lot more. But he's also going to be without DJ Chark for the year. So even though the Dolphins aren't going to have Xavier Howard in this game, we should see Nick Needham out there. You're going to be seeing LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones against presumably Byron Jones and Nick Needham. I still think the Dolphins will win that matchup. Nick Needham's had a really good season so far. And offensively, I, I think Tua comes out, throws for 260 yards or so, two touchdowns. Fan base starts getting a little bit more excited. I'm going to go 26-20 Dolphins. I like that you brought up uh, Robinson. Um, it's He is their most effective weapon. And guess what? The way you neutralize a running back um, in the running game is you open it up early with your offense and get a get a lead right off the rip. And suddenly, one of those leads where, you know, if they want to run the ball, they're doing your job for you. And if Miami can do that in this one, they're really setting themselves up well. I think they do have a very good chance. Um, you know, Miles Jack is the leading tackler for, for Jacksonville. He won't be in this game, as we talked about. Um, you know, DJ Chark, that's a huge loss for them. And really, I think this is a winnable game this week. I do think they do score. I think Miami does pick off Trevor Lawrence, even though he's gotten better, Um, especially if you're forcing them to have to throw the ball to catch up a little bit. I'm going to go 27-17 Dolphins in this one. So we both got the Dolphins winning, and gosh, they better because I – what scares me is that every time I, I watch this team play this year over the last month, you think that we've hit we've hit the worst and not so much. So things have got to change and they gotta change here starting this week. Thank you all for joining us here. We know it's not the easiest thing to do on Saturday morning when the team is one and four. But we're gonna we be love here right there with you. We love you guys. And we're gonna be here Sunday night too. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of yelling if they lose and a little bit of celebration if they win. So that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Jaguars matchup here. Taking place tomorrow morning in London, I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. You can follow us uh, on the Fin side on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, finfanatic.com, the fan-sided network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.